Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26, we're going to be looking at the entire chapter here. Later on this evening, we're going to flip over in our Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians 5.20. God has given you a testimony. God wants you to feel prepared, to feel ready for when you are called on to be a witness for Him, you can give an account. We're about to see here this powerful story in the Scriptures. As we preach through on Sunday evenings, the book of Acts, how God has allowed Paul to share his testimony one more time. All through the book of Acts, we see a story of this man who has zeal for the Lord, and he's using his conversion experience to lead people to Jesus. Verse 1, Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. Paul is on trial. He's in a town called Caesarea. There in northern Israel, along the sea, or along the Mediterranean Sea. And he's, giving a, he's been charged with causing an uproar, uproar. The Jews have stirred up charges against him. King Agrippa is in town. Because the current governor is Governor Festus. And he's giving his defense before this king. And he's going to share his testimony. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa. I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. Especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth. Which was spent from the beginning among my own people in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time. If they are willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion. I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because of the hope. In what God promised to our ancestors. The promise our twelve tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison, since I had received authority for that from the chief priest. When they were put to death, I was in agreement with them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme, since I was terribly enraged at them. I pursued them even to foreign cities. Paul is sharing his testimony. He's sharing that just like you, King Agrippa, just like you Jews over here, they're charging me. I was once a Pharisee. I would go out and hunt people down and try to silence Christians. We live in a day, we live in a time that many people are trying to silence the words of this book. We live in a country that is free, founded on religious freedom. We're free to worship the Lord, free to serve the Lord. We have a freedom in Jesus Christ. But if we aren't careful, 
we can find ourselves on trial. We can find ourselves having to share our defense of the gospel. And the word defense is actually used in describing what, Jesus, what Paul is actually sharing. He's saying, I'm here defending my beliefs. I'm not on trial for any crime that I've done. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the Bible. I believe in what the prophets have proclaimed about Jesus. I want you to know something. You stand for Jesus. You believe in this book right here. They come after you. They oppose you. And we have to be men and women of conviction. Are you prepared to give an account? Are you prepared to use the power of your testimony? I was saved when I was 15 years old. I was a sinner. God was convicting me of that. God revealed to me about previous decisions for the Lord I made. Doing it only to please others. Please my church church family, Sunday school teachers, my family. And God was calling me. Daniel, do you have a relationship with me? He was speaking, convicting me of my sin. Drawing me into a relationship with him. And I got down on my knees. And I prayed and received Jesus in my heart. God changed my life when I was 15 years old. That's the power of a testimony. And God enables you, when you were saved, to give you the boldness. So if you stand before kings, you stand before rulers, Jesus gives you the words to say. And I think for us, a real practical sense for that. Many of you are saying, Daniel, I'm not going to stand before a king. There ain't rulers around here. How does this apply in 2020? How it applies today is so much of our culture is drifting away from this book. And God wants us to be believers that stand up and hold it and say, I believe it. This is how I live my life. This is how I am a man of conviction. This is what I hold to. If Paul can do it, Paul had been locked up in prison for two years for this. If Paul can do it, you can do it. What he's doing, he's really smart. He's painting the Jews who are accusing him. And he's saying, guys, I was once just like you. Educated in Jerusalem, a Pharisee, I despised Christians. I tried to kill them just like you're trying to kill me. But God did something. He changed my life. So keep going here in your Bible. Verse 12. Paul's going to get into the specifics of his testimony. It says. I was traveling to Damascus. Under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priest. Same chief priest. Here we are accusing Paul. King Agrippa, on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic. That was the common language during that time. Saul, Saul, remember Saul was called, Paul was called Saul before um, uh, Jesus changed his name. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now, I want to stop right there. Kick against the goads. Jesus made that statement. Saul, 
it is hard for you to kick against the goads. What does that mean, to kick against the goads? Well, I've got a little statement up here on the board about the goads. The goads is what you would prod a cow with. It's kind of it's kind of like a poker. Like if you had some cattle or any type of livestock and you wanted them to move. You know, most many animals, they might not they don't respond to English very well. Maybe some dogs do. But you want to poke them along. So if you want the cows to go in maybe into a gate, you would poke them. I do not own a goad because I don't have any cattle. I don't have any livestock, although we do have a Great Dane, which would be almost as a cow with that. This here is a fire poker. Do you have a fireplace? Do you have something that, that the, you build a fire? I know it's 90 degrees outside, but maybe in the winter you build a fire and the fire starts to die down. You want to poke it. You stir up those embers in the fireplace and you, you get it going again. Well, that's kind of... That's kind of what Jesus is doing to Paul. He's saying, Paul, I'm going to, if you, you reject this, you're poking against the goad. Me, I'm not going to allow you. That's what God does to us. When you reject the Holy Spirit, when you reject the movement of God, you are kicking against the goads. God is prodding. He's pushing you along. And He wants you to go in one direction. And the question for you tonight is, where is God leading you? What is God pushing you to do? Who do you need to share the gospel with? Who needs to get saved? Who are you praying for? What do you need to give? Who do you need to be praying for? What are you holding back? How do you need to serve? And if you do that, you're kicking against the goad. And that's what, that's what Jesus has told Paul. That's such a powerful statement. When you reject the Holy Spirit in your life, when you are pushing against God and Jesus, you are kicking against the goad. Meaning, listen, if the rancher is moving the cows along, you know, a cow's going to do it. It's going to, you know, it doesn't know what no cow doesn't want to get poked. And so it just walks through the pen. It goes through the, a sheep will go through the sheep pen. Now, your dog might not, you might not poke your dog around, it won't obey, but a cow will. It's not, it's not going to run away too fast. And God is using this poker mentality, poding and prodding people along to show us how he was able to move Paul into becoming the greatest missionary ever, reminding him, says, I'm not going to let you say no. Jesus Christ saves you. Jesus Christ enables you with a purpose of living and serving for Him. Keep going here in your Bibles. Look back up here on the screen. We are in verse 15. I asked, Who are you, Lord? He had a midday vision. Jesus has appeared to him in the middle of the day. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. So Jesus is appearing to Paul. But get up and stand on your feet, 
For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them. So Paul is going to be the missionary to the Gentiles. Probably most of us are Gentiles. We might have some few Jewish folks listening, watching. Paul was our missionary. God raised up this man to bring the gospel to Europe, to the West, and to the othermost parts of the earth with the Gentiles. Why? Verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus amazingly told Paul his mission. My purpose for you is to go out so people are saved. Our purpose today is for you and I to learn about our testimony, to remind ourselves of our conversion story, to remind ourselves, even though we might be in the dog days of summer, the middle of quarantine season, the coronaviruses are going up, out of control, pandemic everywhere, the greater mission is folks get saved. People need the Lord. Verse 19. So then, King Agrippa, Paul's wrapping it up. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first, and to those in Jerusalem, and to all the region of Judea, and to the Gentiles, that they would repent and turn to God, and to do works worthy of repentance. Paul is calling the people to repent, turn from their old way of life, and turn to Jesus. Verse 21. For this reason the Jews seized me in the temple. And were trying to kill me. They didn't want to repent. Just like the prophets in the Old Testament. They did not want to turn from their sins. To this very day I have helped. I have help from God. I stand and I testify. To both small and great. Saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses would have take place. Meaning even down all the way from Moses. The scriptures from the Old Testament all the way to today. I am here to proclaim them. That the Messiah would suffer. And that as the first to rise from the dead. He would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. Paul is sharing. The gospel is for the Jews and for the Gentiles. And I'm here proclaiming the light. Who is the light? The light is Jesus. These people are in darkness. They're in the power of Satan. They're bound in their sins. And Paul's there preaching a message to set them free. That they would turn from the Lord. Now what happens here. Is we see. This passionate testimony. That's reminding all the people. Now this is a trial. So all these people are listening to Paul. He has his opportunity and he's teaching, taking what Jesus shared to him. And he's preaching it to anyone who will listen. And look what occurs here. Last section. Acts 26, verse 24. He wants even Agrippa, the king, to respond to the gospel. Do you know, Paul, he did not, anyone in his mind, no matter who you were, he even brought it out in his message. Great or small. A person of influence or insignificance. 
All people matter to God. God loves and wants to see anyone and everyone saved. Look what happens in verse 24. Follow along in your Bibles. As he was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, You're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. The governor Festus is listening to this saying, Paul, buddy, you've gone crazy. Remember, Festus is not Jewish. He doesn't know the Old Testament. He doesn't know the law of Moses. And all he sees is this man, a religious fanatic, who has studied, 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 studied. And he's saying, Paul, you've lost your mind. Just cool out. He's like the guy that wants to pour cold water on you. Have you ever been passionate for the gospel? Have you ever known someone who's bold for their belief? And other folks are just like, man, you just got to chill out. Tone it down a little bit. That is our culture today. We live among governors of Festus. Where people just look at you and go, yeah, whatever. If you want to believe that, that's fine. You just need to go in your little holy huddle corner of there and don't bother anyone else. Don't be a burden and push your beliefs on us. The problem with that is, here as Amer Americans, we have religious freedom. And God wants us to use our religious liberty to advance the gospel. If God's given you freedom, you need to be free. You're free to speak up and be bold for Jesus. Verse 26. I'm sorry, verse 25. Verse 25 says, But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. He's saying, I'm speaking the truth. This is good judgment here. It's not foolishness. For the king knows about these matters, and I can speak boldly for, to him. For I'm convinced that none of these things has escaped his notice, since this was not done in a corner. Meaning, I'm not like some little quiet guy leading a rebellion. I believe Jesus is the Messiah, and people are saved by Jesus. Next verse, verse 27 says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. He's calling for a response. He's asking the king with all of these people around, saying, King up there on your lofty paddle, do you believe the prophets are talking about Jesus? Are you willing to repent? I know you want to believe. I know you believe the Bible. Do you want to follow Jesus? What an awesome reply by Paul. You know, anytime you proclaim the gospel, anytime you share your testimony, anytime you're bold in your faith, church member, call for a response. This is why we have an invitation here at Broadway Baptist Church. I invite you to respond to Jesus. Walk this aisle. I know we don't have an aisle right now. Send me a message. Make a phone call. Set up an appointment. Call the church office. Or if you're somewhere other part of the U.S., call a local pastor who says, I need to talk about how to be saved. I want a relationship with Jesus. And that's important to do because you need other people to hold you accountable and lead you into the right path. God gives the office of pastor 
the office of deacons, the gift of Sunday school teachers to teach people the way of God. It's a gift. It's a calling. And when we fail to listen to our pastor, to listen to our teacher, we're failing to be obedient to the Scriptures. We're failing to have that accountability. I love Agrippa's response because he sees it. He sees what Paul's trying to do. Agrippa, remember, Festus is Roman, so he doesn't understand Jewish, uh, understand all this stuff. Agrippa is Jewish. He's from the lineage of Herod. He knows. He appoints the high priest. That's what the Herodian family did. And look what Agrippa said to Paul. Are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? Like, you think you can persuade me to believe this? Paul, you think I'm going to just get down there and join your camp? Do you think I'm going to become a Jewish Christian and accept Jesus as the Messiah? In verse 29, I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you but all who listen to me today might become as I am except for these change. He said, Agrippa, whether it's easy or difficult for you to come to faith in Christ, I don't know. But I want you, along with everybody here, to become as I am. Meaning, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul is asking. Paul is begging. Paul is calling for the people to respond to the gospel. He's saying, you want everything I have. You want to have a belief and faith in Jesus, but you do not want these chains. Here I stand with chains on Sharing the gospel. My circumstances are terrible, but my passion and my belief does not change. And I think the principle for us, what God is t teaching us, Paul did not miss this opportunity. And I think for you and for me, we need to say, is, is every opportunity a gospel opportunity? Do I take every chance I can get to point people and direct people to the good news of Jesus? Paul certainly did that. Verse 30. The king, the governor Bernice. That's, um, Bernice is uh, the um, uh, Festus or um, uh, uh, the, uh, what's, Agrippa's sister. That's who it is. Bernice is Agrippa's sister. They had a questionable relationship there. It probably wasn't very godly, but the king, the governor, and Bernice, and those sitting with them got up. And when they had left, they talked with each other and said, this man has done nothing. He's not doing anything to deserve death or imprisonment. I mean, he hasn't done anything. Like, this guy's just passionate about Jesus. This is a, this is a religious crime. Like, he hasn't killed anybody. He hasn't stolen from anybody. All he's done is go around teaching people about Jesus, and the Jews hate him for it. I mean, they just don't like what he believes. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. 
And that's the transition we're going to see there. Because next step is they are going to send Paul to Rome. And on the way to Rome, this is next Sunday night, there's going to be a shipwreck. Tragedy is going to strike. And I think for us, I think the principle, and I have it up here on the screen, Paul understands that freedom itself is not enough. He knows this. So what if he's free? So what if you're free? The freedom Paul sought, and Christians today should seek, is the freedom to do something. Meaning, just because you're free, you can go sit in a corner and believe whatever you want to believe. But that's not advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks aren't getting saved if you're in a corner tucked away. It's the pushing and the pressing and the pleading of the gospel. That's what Paul was trying to do. He wanted to use his freedom to push other people to Jesus. And I think this is, for, this is the main point for us. Paul is taking this opportunity to plead with people to turn to the Messiah. Alright, look up here. One more quote. The mission isn't what we do after we've achieved religious liberty. Say, we have religious liberty here in the U.S. We have fought for that. The pilgrims, the fathers, and we defend it today. The mission is what we're doing while we're appealing for religious liberty. That's important. We do not give up the fight for religious liberty. Religious liberty is the freedom for your pastor, for you, for churches, to freely be able to come into this beautiful sanctuary here at Broadway Baptist Church and churches all over America and to be able to boldly proclaim the truth in this book and to go into to school, to go to work, to go into the public square and say, this is what I believe. Now, everybody might not believe that, but you should have the freedom to persuade and to push and to press people to following Jesus. That is what Paul's doing. He's in a public square and he's pleading with people to follow the Lord. I have one last quote up here. Last Bible verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. This is what type of ambassador Jesus or Paul is. Now Paul write, wrote this verse. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone who represents someone else. For example, if you're here in the United States and say you're from France and you are at an embassy in Washington, D.C., you're at the French embassy and you have been sent from France to be here in the United States to be the French ambassador, meaning you want to have good relations with the U.S. government and you're there to represent France in the U.S. So if there's a question, say I want to know, I'm, say I'm in government and I want to know something about what's going on in France and how they're going to handle a situation, I can call up the ambassador right there and access them and say, what's going on in France? How, how do we respond to this? The Bible is telling us we are ambassadors for Christ. Jesus has put you and I left us here on earth during a pandemic, waiting for the Messiah to come back. 
an ambassador, meaning I'm his representative. You should be bold, you should be proud, you should not shriek back. Therefore, since we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. What do we plead? Be reconciled to God. I'm here tonight pleading with you. Just that word plead. That is what Paul is doing here with Agrippa, with all his audience. He's pleading them to be reconciled with God. I stand in this pulpit and I ask you online and in person on Sunday mornings to follow the Lord. To turn from your sins and be reconciled with God. Do you want to be reconciled with God this evening? Have you abandoned the Lord? God is speaking to you and he wants you to be saved. Paul pled with King Agrippa and asked him to believe in Jesus. I'm pleading with you to be reconciled with God. I'm going to close this in prayer. You can be reconciled with God by asking Jesus to come into your heart. He takes a sinner, covers them of their sin, and they stand before a holy God unblemished. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus. You do that by receiving Jesus. Paul called for a response. I'm likewise calling for you to respond. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you want to get saved, if you want to respond to the gospel, you pray this prayer where you're at. Dear Jesus, I want to be reconciled with you. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me. Make me new. Jesus, I pray that I will live for you. From this day on, Lord, I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bible tells us, if you prayed that prayer, if you meant it, if you turn from your wicked ways, you now are a born-again believer. I want to hear from you. Reach out to me. Send me a message. Give me a call. And I'll be in touch with you. I'll let you know about the steps of what it means to follow Jesus. The best decision you'll ever make is one in trusting Jesus as your Savior. Thank you for watching us this evening here. Our Sunday evening worship services. We go through Acts of the Apostles on Sunday evenings. I appreciate your support of Broadway Baptist Church. You can give online. You can text to give. You can mail in your offering. But your faithfulness to God helps us continue to reach our wonderful city. In our wonderful state for the gospel. It's unusual times, but I believe now the people need Jesus. They need preachers. They need Christians such as you who have a testimony to go out and plead with other people to turn to the Lord. God bless you. I will see you Wednesday evening.